We're so glad that you could be a part of our service. I know it would help if I turned on my microphone. Anyway, today we're going to finish up our series on Game On, and it's the comeback. And I don't think there's anybody in the Bible that's more of a comeback kid than this guy that we're going to talk about today. Now, there are three Josephs that are pretty familiar with everybody in the Bible. Um, you know, there's Mary and... <sighs> you guys are quick on the uptake. There's, there's um, the man from Arimathea. His name was... Joseph of Arimathea. Very good. And then there's this Joseph. The Joseph of Genesis chapter... 37 through 50. And so because there's such a vast array of scripture about Joseph, we're only going to use a few of them, and um, we're going to do our scripture reading as we go, all right? So that should help us out. Um, Joseph was the son of Jacob, and um, Joseph was the favorite one, kind of like my sister. Uh, she was like the favorite one. And the reason Joseph was one of the favorite ones is because uh, Jacob had two wives, Leah and Rachel. And in the scripture, even clear, it's so real. It, it just says that Jacob loved Rachel. Like he loved her. He worked 14 years to get her. It was crazy. He just, it was just. You know, he loved her, and so she couldn't have any children. Then all of a sudden, God blessed Rachel with a son, and his name was Joseph. Now, Joseph had 11 other brothers. And, um, and because Joseph was the favored one, you know, there's, that can be an issue. It can be a strain on the family when you're the favorite one. <laughs> And Joseph, uh, probably in some ways as a kid, he used that at his advantage. When they'd go out and watch the flocks, you know, the family, the boys would all go out together, watch the flock. If the boys were doing bad things and doing things wrong, Joseph would go back and tell them, tell on them. That was his thing. You know, then on top of all that, Joseph's dad made him this beautiful coat. How many have seen Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat? Yeah, it's a musical. You should see it if you can. It's awesome. <laughs> but he had this coat. And so he kind of wore it around a lot. And I think it probably reminded his brothers that they weren't as special as he was. But um, in the long run, it was going to be to his detriment, I think, in some ways. One of the things we want to look at is life's disappointments can be life-altering. So here's Joseph, and one day his brothers come up with a scheme. They're going to kill him. He's annoying. He's, they're just going to kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother, says, let's just put him in this cistern, this hole in the ground, and we'll keep him there, and then we'll, we'll do with him at a later time. Reuben, in the back of his mind, says, when my brothers aren't around, I'm going to get him out of there, and we're going to take him home. But just so happens that this band of 
uh, people were traveling by and, uh, and one thing led to another and before you know it, they sold Joseph to this, uh, to these group of men that were going, men and women that were going to Egypt. They tell their father that Joseph was killed. They killed a goat. They splattered blood on his coat and, and Jacob was devastated by it all. So just, if you would, picture for me what it must have been like for a teenager, a young teenager, to be sold into slavery, to go to a place where you didn't know their language, to go to a place where the cultural differences were huge. On top of that, to be a slave. And slaves weren't treated nicely. They were mistreated. But in this particular case, as he was bought, he was purchased, that band of people went to Egypt, sold him, made their money, and the man named Potiphar bought Joseph. And, um, and Joseph found favor in the eyes of Potiphar. But I just want you to understand that this had to be just an unbelievable life-altering event in this young boy's life. You know, um, the story doesn't end there, but he had no clue of why all this was happening to his life. He had no idea or no understanding. You know, this, this week, um, I had the privilege of doing the funeral for Justin King, 18-year-old boy who, was, who uh, fell to his death walking on a trail near his campus. Tragedy's real. There's no consoling and, and there's no, no words that can be said to the family when, you, when they go through something like that, to lose an 18-year-old son. Life can stink. Life can stink at times. I was reminded of not too long ago we had the Preston's Pantry because they lost their family in, in Preston in a flood. This side of heaven will never understand why these tragedies happen. We never understand why bad things happen to good people. I was watching most recently the History Channel on 9-11 and um, it was a documentary and I know you may think this is silly but as they're walking into the building I'm kind of yelling in my mind, don't go in. It's just devastating that those people walked in that building and never came out. And so it, it's the sad part of this whole thing and the sad part about Joseph's life is that we live in a broken world and people do bad things and, and bad things happen. I don't have to prove to you, I don't think, that, that life can be hugely disappointing at times. But how we respond to that is really important. So life, disappointing, uh, life disappointments can be life-altering. And we need to be aware of that and understand that. It happened for Joseph. It can happen for each of us here in this room. On the upswing of things, Joseph is sold to Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the guards 
of the palace guards. He oversaw all the palace guards in Egypt. And so his boss had a lot of authority. And Joseph was, uh, was there with him and eventually had won his favor. It seemed like everything, everywhere that Joseph went, he, was, uh, he had favor because God's hand was about it. And we're going to read about that in just a minute. But there's a real burden on Joseph. And some of you may have experienced this burden as well. It's very difficult, take my word for it, to be handsome. Joseph was handsome. He was a good man. The scripture even said that he was really handsome. And so here's Joseph every day working in Potiphar's home. Potiphar's at the palace doing his thing. And Potiphar's wife begins to notice how handsome Joseph is. And uh, she said, hey, Joseph, uh, why don't you come over here and spend a little time with me? And Joseph says to her in a very straightforward way, he said, your husband has not limited anything to me. I can have access to everything on this, in this household except for you. He's given me all authority over everything in this household except for you. And she kept pressing him every day. The scripture says every day. One day he's in the house doing some of his responsibilities, I'm sure. And uh, there were no, no one else was around, just the two of them. She walks in and she says, come on, Joseph, sleep with me. Come on. And she grabbed his coat and started to pull him. And he escapes out of his coat and runs. And uh, he's accused. She goes to her husband and said, this, this Hebrew that you have brought into our house tried to rape me. Now, here's what's interesting. We cannot let setbacks impact our journey. Now, Joseph made the right choice. He did the right thing. He ran. He got out of there. He, uh, it's even written in 1 Timothy that we are to run away from youth, youthful lusts and run away from things that would tempt us. Even though he did the right thing, she lied about it. And although I'm sure this crime was punishable by death, Potiphar chose not to kill him. But he had to put him in prison. So Joseph goes to prison for 13 years. For 13 years. And here's what's interesting. Will you read this scripture with me this morning uh, in uh, Psalm 39, 21 and 22? It says this. But the Lord was waiting for the slides to change. <laughs> There's something, a technical difficulty. I'll just read it to you. 
But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. In spite of the circumstances, that's what he did. He showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Absolutely amazing. So God has his hand on Joseph in spite of the circumstances, in spite of, in spite of the difficulties. He has all that. And, and now the warden loves him. As a matter of fact, the warden does the same thing that Potiphar did. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Joseph became like the boss. It's pretty amazing. God has his hand on them. He found favor with the warden and he never, we never read about Joseph having a bad attitude, never read of him about complaining about being prison. You don't read any of that. He took his responsibility seriously. He worked with integrity in spite of the circumstances. He always made godly choices. He made the right choice and godly choices. And during this time in his life, he, he didn't understand the reason why all this was happening, but he trusted the Lord. Now, all of us at times have been mistreated and um, maybe accused of things we didn't do. But God is in control, and he will take care of us. This isn't just a Joseph story. This is an us story. It is our responsibility then to do two things. In Proverbs chapter six, er, chapter three, verse uh, five and six says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Two things you do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the second is, seek his will. Seek his will. That's what we do. So that's what, Jesus, that's what Joseph did while he was in prison. Now, God gave Joseph some pretty unique gifts. But the, I think his best gift and one of the better things was he could interpret dreams God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And so the Pharaoh had a dream that nobody in the kingdom could figure out. And then one of the prisoners who knew Joseph said, Oh, Pharaoh, I know a guy. Isn't it nice to know a guy? I love knowing guys. He says, I know a guy that can interpret your dream for you. And he says, well, bring him in here because I, I, I've got this, this dream. It is bothering me so much I can't sleep. It was so. And they bring Joseph in front of Pharaoh. And he begins to share the dream. He says, the dream, the, the, this dream was of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows but still was skinny. They remained skinny. He told another one, the same, uh, very similar one of seven grains, heads of healthy, heads of grain, and then seven withered grains. And Joseph then interprets the dream. 
He interprets the dream. He says there's going to be seven years of plenty. We are going to be blessed. You're going to be bountiful harvest. It's going to be great. Seven years of it. But then there's going to be seven years of famine. And it's going to take up all the resources. And eventually, unless something is done, you know, people will starve and die. It's interesting because Pharaoh goes, well, I need to put somebody in charge of this. And Joseph goes, I know a guy. (laughs) That's just my interpretation. That's really not, that's like a paraphrase, okay? That's like, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) And Pharaoh says, who, me? I can do that. And Pharaoh goes, who who better to do it than the person that can interpret the dream and understand what it was all about? So Joseph puts this plan into action, and before you know it, they have storehouses full of food. And in the second year of the famine, after seven years of good, the second year of famine, all of a sudden, his family from Canaan came to Egypt because they were desperate, they were starving, they had no food. And so now here's here's Joseph with all his brothers around him and they're asking for food. They didn't recognize him, but he knew who they were. Now I don't know about you, but I know inside of myself I'd have made them squirm. (laughs) But instead, here's what Joseph says. And we are reading this one together in Genesis 45, 5 through 7. It says this, everybody. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. At this point, Joseph comes to this huge understanding of why all this had to happen. 13 years in prison, at least five years as the assistant to Pharaoh. There was, I believe, two or three years in Potiphar's establishment. And all of a sudden, he comes to the understanding that this was all about God's purpose for our lives. It's about God's purpose for each one of our lives. Our responsibility is not necessarily to fully understand what God wants from us, what God wants us to do or be. But Joseph had such faith in God all through the process, God's hand was upon him and God's hand will be with you. Even in difficult times, God will have a purpose or find you a purpose. We may not understand it all until we're there, until he talks us through us or shows us 
in heaven what it was all about. And we may never, there may be many of us that, that never have that happy ending that we're looking for in the story like this one was. Because you know what happens. He moves his whole family to Egypt. They get the best land possible. It was like, it'd be like having beachfront property in Ocean City, Maryland, except there's no beach or any of that. It was just the most fertile ground. It was the best. He brings all his family there. And he gets to see his dad. That's one of the first questions Joseph asked. He said, is my father still alive? They said, yes, he's still alive. He sends for him, sends the family. They all move. So for them, it was a pretty happy ending. You know, I have a pretty strong, great legacy myself. My grandpa... Uh, my grandpa was um, was a great Christian man, and um, he had all boys. It reminds me of the story of Joseph. Between my my uncle Leonard and my dad, there was another boy who was about three or four months old when he passed away. I guess it was. They found him in the crib, so it could have been this infant death syndrome. We, I, I, you know, they didn't know back then. Then my grandfather, who was a very trusting soul, let his 12-year-old son, David, use a tractor to go pick berries with. The tractor tipped over on him and killed him. My grandfather had a son named Uncle Burdett, my uncle, at the age of 28, died of an illness. My dad, when he was four years old, my grandfather's first wife died in a fire, saving the boys, my dad being one of them. And almost every Wednesday night, at testimony time, my grandfather would stand up and he said, I can't thank God enough. He has blessed me beyond measure. I'm sure he never understood all why the tragedy happens. But I know for me, it left a lasting impact on my life. Because my father, my grandfather, my father had such a legacy. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust in the Lord in those hard times and seek his will. And you may be at a point right now in your life where it's difficult. But trust in him. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of Joseph. We pray that you'll bless all those that are here today that are going through difficult times when, when life just stinks and life's disappointments just change everything. Lord, help us to cling to you and to trust in you and don't let 
don't let circumstances impact our journey. And Lord, help us to have a comeback. We may not know what it's all about, but Lord, help us to lean into you, trust in you, and seek you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.